Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 60 of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. We have 24 days until our respective schools kick off the 2023 football season. Kevin, before we jump in, I want to give an update on my prognostications from last week. I said on this podcast, if the U.S. women's national team don't pull their heads out of their earth, they are going to get beat by the Swedes, and they did. Do you have any thoughts before I go off on this game? You know, I do. It's kind of crazy. Please, this game was a result of them not handling their business in the group stage. If you watch the game against Sweden, they weren't bad. They created a ton of chances. Sweden hardly created any. They just didn't score. To me, it all comes down to them not handling their business in the group stage. They wouldn't have had to play Sweden in the first place. That's all I got. The floor is yours. No, no. Well, first of all, you set the groundwork perfectly. You're exactly right. Uh, Hey, they played their best game. This was their yes. best game of the tournament. They had they created scoring opportunities. They limited the opportunities for Sweden. Good ball movement, et cetera, et cetera. They just couldn't finish it. Sometimes you can't finish it in soccer, but they couldn't. You go into extra time. Again, you couldn't finish it. You then make the substitution adjustments so that you can put in who you think are going to be your best um, PK shooters in the event of a shootout, which there was. Your goalie makes two stops, your goalie then scores on a PK, and Rapino and Sophia Smith and Kelly O'Hara miss three in a row to lose in the World Cup. Kevin, it's a choke job. By any other name, it is a choke job. This does not mean I'm not a fan of the women's national team. This does not mean I don't support USA. This this doesn't mean any of it. If this was an Oklahoma football team and they missed a field goal from the 15-yard line to go into overtime or to win it, I would say they choked. You do the same thing about Texas. All these people that are getting mad at people for like, well, why are you so hard on Because you want to be a real team, right? You want to be a sports team that people take seriously. I take you seriously as a sports team. And when you fail to do what you're supposed to do and you choke, I have to call it like I see it. They choked, they're out, and it sucks. Yeah, and here's the thing about it. It's not like they shot the penalties and they were saved. They didn't even hit the target. No, they weren't even on frame. They weren't even on target, yeah. No, they're not even on frame. Yes, I watched – listen, I know people probably get sick of me talking about little kid soccer, but I watched little kid soccer – my daughter took a PK and missed it off a of frame one time, and the coach ripped her. Not in private. I mean, from the sideline in front of parents and the both teams and said, if you ever want to take a PK again, you better darn well hit the frame yeah. because you are wasting opportunities. Force the keeper to make a save, at least. Dude, she jumped to the other side. It's a wide-open goal. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I can do it. That's not. Yeah. I'm not sitting here saying I can do it. But they can do it. They yeah. should have done it. Three of them had opportunities to do it. They all choked. It's a choke job. It sucks. All right. That's my rant for women's soccer. Uh, thanks a lot. For, we got to wait four more years for me to get all fired up. Hopefully, uh, half the roster turns over and they all enter the transfer They're portal. stuck between two eras, man. They really are. They got this older era with Rapino and, and Morgan. And, and it really is time for them to, to move on and set the young that the young ones have it. Listen, dude, they, they have a legacy. Those girls, listen, they, right. say what you want about Rapino. Rapino has been a clutch soccer player for years and years and years. Exactly. She absolutely has. This is not diminish her legacy, but it, um, it's, uh, you know. It's, it's a bad way to go out, though. It's a bad It's a bad it way. To, a, it's, it's a, a tough, way to, tough way to go out. Moving on to college football, which is what this podcast is really about. Uh, conference realignment, what occur, what we said would occur, occurred. Arizona and Arizona State formerly joining the Big 12. Utah, I said that I didn't think BYU wanted this to happen. They were going to try to block it. Um, I didn't think Utah really wanted to come to the Big 12. They are coming to the Big 12, but Kevin, they are coming reluctantly. They are not excited about it. 
BYU fan is pissed. And it is an interesting world to watch on Twitter when you talk about the holy war between these two schools. They hate each other. They're pissed that they're in the same conference. Um, and I think it makes for great Big 12 drama going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, I completely agree with you saying that they didn't really want to come, but it was just their best option. What else were they going to do? Go, go to the Mountain West? I don't even know if it was their best option. It was their yeah. only option. Did yeah. they did they think that they were going to get picked up by the Big Ten? I think they were hoping. They just I don't see what they bring, right? I mean, do they maybe the Salt Lake City market? But I mean, are, are they really concerned about that? Yeah, the Big Ten. Uh, I you know I guess we forgot to mention too the Big Ten has uh, formally invited Oregon and Washington, which is what something we talked about, which those teams were being on the outside looking in. I yeah. think the Big Ten is is a great conference in terms of just athleticism, but just in terms of conference makeup, are they at 18 teams now? I believe so. I mean, dude, it's just, you know, everybody's talking about well, what happens Washington has to play Rutgers. Dude, they're not going to schedule that game. You'll see that game once every 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like the sec, right? Georgia playing Texas A&M once. Yeah. In the they're 12 not- years that A&M has been in the sec. It, it, nobody cares if they schedule that game. No, you know what I mean. So you will get all those regional matchups. USC will play UCLA and Oregon and Washington. Oh, I guarantee you, almost every year. It's stupid if they don't. Yeah, and then you'll and have some have really back to back. And if you have to travel, right? If USC has to play Rutgers, it'll be one time, and then the next week they'll be playing at home or they'll be playing at UCLA or at, at another close school. So. Absolutely. And then and then you're going to back that up with some really intriguing matchups like Ohio State once a year, Michigan once a year, Penn State once a year, Nebraska once yeah, a great. year. It's great. Football. I mean, it's it's going to be a really good conference. It's it. But it, it's going to be interesting to see if they go divisionless, at least how the SEC is doing it in the first year, mm-hmm. or if they try to do a West and an East. Um, it's a lot of things. Same thing with the Big 12. You kind of want to know. And, and really the SEC, I guess. They said that the schedule they released for the SEC for us in 24 is not indicative necessarily of a go-forward schedule, right? It's just the first iteration. Um, I think we can all expect the second iteration to be uh, the opposite of that schedule, right? What Texas played is, oh, you might play, you know, vice versa. So, but it'll be interesting to see if we go that. I think the only dominoes left to fall at this point is Clemson, Florida State? Yeah. What do you think happens with them? I think they go SEC. Do you? Okay. I think they go SEC. I think that, um, I think that it's a more natural geographic fit, which the SEC. I think the SEC wants to keep that. I don't think they have to go out of it. Um, and those schools have cachet. Uh, they are for sure. Florida. Florida State is a borderline blue blood. You know, they, they're, they're a good team. National championship in the last 10 years. Um, they're good. Clemson, obviously good. Dabo, one of, you know, top two coaches, three coaches in the, in the, yeah, in the country. Yeah. You know, and I guess we, if that happens at some point, maybe, it, maybe this year, maybe not, I think that that really only – you start running out of teams that's leaving out. Maybe Miami, right, I think is now outside looking in. Yeah. Um, they were – were they independent way back in the day? Or was that Florida State? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I, you have to think that, like, Stanford – Stanford will just go independent, right? They'll just be Notre Dame of the I West. I don't know. I, I heard that Notre Dame – I think it was a Brett McMurphy tweeted out that he wanted – that Notre Dame is pushing the ACC to pick up uh, Cal and Stanford. And make those just natural games for Notre Dame every year. I think because so. Notre Dame plays Stanford every year, don't they? It seems they like do. It. Yeah, Stanford is one of their annual teams, along with um, USC and Navy. Well, anyway, we've talked about this. Um, it, I mean, but it's it it's just a fascinating part of the game. I I know there's been people asking, is it better or worse for college football? I don't think you can say that. I think it just is. Yeah, I think it. I completely agree. It is what it is. Now, the, some there will be some natural rivalries that end as a result of this, and that always sucks, right? Like, it sucked when the Big 12 was formed and we lost the OU-Nebraska rivalry every year. 
right? Right. Or when AM left to the SEC and we lost that. That part sucks, right? But it just is what it is, man. This has been brewing for a long time. It was always going to happen. It's just coming to the forefront now. Yeah, and I think I think you I think you have to the only way I think you can measure if it sucks or not is what it's doing for your team. I think that's the only way you can I think you have to be very selfish in the, in a viewpoint of what's it doing for my team. For Oklahoma and Texas, it is better to be in the SEC than the Big 12. Period. Absolutely. No we're, question we're, about it. Whether no it's doubt. money, profile, recruiting, uh scheduling, you know, quality of games, quality of road trips, respectability, long-term viability, the list goes on and on and on. It is better for Oklahoma and Texas to be in the SEC. That's all you can really worry with everything else going on. That's all you can really worry about. I mean, you can't, I'm sorry. I, it sucks, but I can't, I can't, I don't have time or bandwidth to worry about Oregon state. Like, yeah, sorry. Like, I don't know what to say. You weren't exactly. any good before. So, I and know. I, you know, I feel bad for them. Right. But it's kind of is what it is. Right. This is the world is built off real quick. Uh, before I was prepping for this, uh, while I was prepping for this show, I ran across this CBS article uh, written today that had storylines for the 2023 season. Um, I'm just going to read these real quick. These are kind of some quick hitters. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, the first one, a story to watch, Petrino at a I think it's fascinating, right? Jimbo Fisher has always been known as an offensive coordinator, head coach who calls his own plays, right? He's called the plays at Florida State when they won the championship. He's always been the guy in charge of the offense for him to bring in a guy like Bobby Petrino, you would think he's going to be willing to give up that responsibility, right? Cause he could have brought in a yes, man, just some guy who is an up and coming guy say, Hey, you're the old offensive coordinator, but really he's still calling all the shots. You would have to imagine that he's going to at least give some sort of freedom or responsibility to Petrino. Well, it has my, my thought. My thought was that the, the offense has to get better. It can't get worse. I can't imagine. Yeah they, worse yeah, they were good on defense last year. They got a ton uh, of talent. Petrino coached Lamar Jackson, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, JT Daniels at Rice. <laughs> man, I don't know, man. I, I've defended him for a while. and uh, I defended think, his talent. Do you think he at least merits a 30 for 30 short on the effects of the uh, – effects of the transfer portal what is this four schools for him fourth or fifth it's literally usc to georgia Georgia. to west virginia to uh to rice so four i mean that's insane it is a lot of schools man it's a lot of schools i don't know i've always kind of believed in him i thought for sure i was stunned when he didn't win the job at georgia when they you know put stetson bennett over him I thought yeah. it was just a, a great fit. Uh, you're gonna. This next one is for you. Uh, the author said Texas Tech is this year's TCU. He oh, said believe man. believe in Joey McGuire. That's what this guy says. And I'm like, man, did Kevin Miller write this little blurb <laughs> here? Thoughts? You know, I believe in Joey McGuire. Now, I don't think they're going to be TCU. I don't see him going undefeated throughout the entire regular season and sweeping Big Twelve play. Before the title game, of course, I don't see that, but I think they will be improved, and I think they'll. I think they'll be in every game they play this year, just because of him. Uh, they said that the game of the year is Texas and Alabama. Do you agree? Um, I think it's probably the best non-conference game this year. I think. I think it. I think it's results driven. Okay, I think if Texas wins, it's the best game of the year. Not because I want Texas to win, but because it creates a storyline that will that will exist for the rest of the year going into 2024, right? That, yeah. it, that Texas can compete in the SEC. Here's proof we beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, you know? And so now if Alabama wins, in some ways to me, it's, it's just another game. Like, it's just, okay, okay. Well, all right, another yeah. game. And, you know, some people think that maybe Texas performance, even though they didn't win the game, right? It's not a moral victory, but the performance, maybe that was a fluke. Maybe Alabama wasn't up for it. So, yeah, if they can go down there and handle it this year, we'll see, man. All right. Uh, two more real quick. Deion Sanders premieres as the head coach of Colorado. I, If you had to put an over-under on his win total, 
Would you care um, to would you care to put a number out there? I'd say four. Okay, well, you got to go. Th- so, th- all right. Oh, so, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do so, four and a half. You going under okay. or over? Um, under. Under four and a half. Kevin yeah. has under four and a half wins. I don't know if I don't either. I mean, they're just not any good, and you rotate that many players. And we just look as much. Dion. It's not like Dion cleaned up in the transfer portal either. Yeah, his he transfer got guys. He's got some guys, but he wasn't ranked number one in the transfer portal or anything. Was you know, he? I, I'm not sure what it, what he was, but what is it? Fifty new players, I think they have. That's just hard to do, dude. It doesn't matter. I will say, I can't wait to see Shador Sanders, his son, the quarterback, and I can't wait to see Travis Hunter, who was the number one player in all of high school football a couple of years ago. They went to Jackson to State. Jackson State, yeah, Jackson State played well for them last year. He will play both ways. He's going to be like. You remember Chris Gamble from Ohio State? Yeah, the yeah. national championship game. He's probably my favorite Ohio State player ever. That season, sh- he played both short, ways. That's a short list for me. Favorite. Well, Ohio here's State the thing. Player. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an Ohio State fan, but they've had some really good players over the years. Yeah. I, you right? know what? I take it back. I kind of liked Eddie George in the '90s. I thought he was. Oh, he was good. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I really liked Eddie. Eddie. Too, I thought he was cool with his bald head and everything. Yeah, I, I loved Eddie George. yeah, the head was shining, right? Yeah, yeah dude, I loved it. So he played both ways for them that year when they won the national championship. He was a full-time corner and a full-time receiver, and that's what Travis Hunter is going to be for Ohio. I mean, for uh, Colorado this year. So I'm excited to watch him and see what they can do. It's going to be well, fascinating. And that's game against TCU. The, I'm all over it, man. The last storyline is Texas back. <laughs> God. <laughs> You know me, man. I don't answer that question. All right. I won't make you, I won't make you answer it. All right. Uh, real quick, other news and notes. Uh, I don't really. That was very interesting. It was interesting to thought. All right. Hey, this is a lead-in. We're going to start with uh, this, this. This podcast is about the fall camp storylines for OU and Texas. We're going to lead in with Texas. But before we do, there was a 247 sports listed top quarterbacks heading into the 2023 season. Do you see this list? I did not. This is all from throughout the entire country. Throughout the entire country. Quinn Ewers, your quarterback, University of Texas, currently in a uh, quarterback battle with um, um, Arch Manning and Malik Murphy. He was named the starter after the spring game, but go ahead. Is listed as the number four quarterback in the country. Behind only Drake May of North Carolina, Caleb Williams of USC, and Sam Hartman of Notre Dame. Now, before I give you any stats, okay, before I throw any facts at you, does that does that give you does that give you any pause that potentially the Texas hype train is officially gone off the rails? No, no. Okay, all right, no, that's fine. No, that's a yes or no question. Holy crap! All right, in twenty twenty two, Quinn Ewers. Had a 58.1% completion percentage, okay? 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, and threw for 2,177 yards. He was ranked out of all quarterbacks in the country as the 53rd in total QBR. 53rd. Let's give a comparison to those numbers. Dylan Gabriel did not make the list. That's fine. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback, but... You know, let's look at the list. His stats, 62%. Oh, that's 4% better. 25 touchdowns versus six interceptions. That's 10 touchdowns better. 3,168 passing yards. That's 1,000 passing yards better. And his total QBR was 22nd in the country. That is 31 spots better than Quinn Ewers. Do you care to maybe change your question, change the answer to the question, has the Texas hype train completely gone off the rails? No. Okay, that's fine. So, in 2022, let's see. Cam Rising was is ranked below Cam Rising ranked below Quinn Ewers. Okay? Like ninth or something. Or eighth or something. He had a 64.7 completion percentage, 3,034 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and his total QBR was ninth. How can you tell me with those stats, 
and Quinn Ewers losing his his best weapon in um, B. John Robinson, that Cam Rising should be ranked below Quinn Ewers. Like it doesn't even make sense. It's exactly. not even it's not even logic that you can even jump towards. And I make some amazing leaps on this podcast sometimes. I can't even make that leap if I try. First of all, it was his first season as a starter. All these other guys you mentioned, for example, when you compare him with Dylan Gabriel, who I actually like, I think I like Dylan Gabriel more than most OU fans do, right? I'm 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 coming around on DG for this year, but go ahead. Okay, but he's this is his fourth year as a starter, right? I think, and he has been, he is what he is. With Quinn Ewers' talent, with the talent around him, and with Sark as a developer, I feel like he is going to elevate and become one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. But I believe Uh, in his talent. I believe in our scheme. I believe in our coach. I believe in the players around him. Just as a benchmark, Caleb Williams, 66.6% completion percentage, uh, 4,537 yards passing, 42 touchdowns, five interceptions. You know what? Whatever you say about Lincoln Riley, his quarterbacks don't throw interceptions. Like that, they no. just don't. They just no. they just don't. His his total QBR was only fifth. Um, overall QBR, without going into the other stats from last year, and some of these guys have graduated. But Jalen Daniels coming back at Kentucky was number one in QBR. Or Kansas. Hey, I'm sorry, Kansas. I have KU written down. Yeah, at Kansas, Hooker at Tennessee was number two. CJ Stroud was number three. Bo Nix was number four. Caleb Williams was number five. Quinn Ewers, 53rd. Dude, listen, Kevin, I hear you, dude. You've got to defend your guy. You have to defend your guy. And you've got to have – you've got to have – I mean, you are the Texas voice of, of the Boomer Bevo podcast. I don't want you to, like, fade and wilt. But, man, those numbers are pretty compelling to the sense that are we, are we thinking too much about Quinn Ewers? I know you say he's a first-year player. I mean, last year was his first year. But he was on Ohio State staff. He wasn't getting not coached for a whole year. He wasn't going up against not good players in practice for a whole year. Then he does go up against Texas or goes up for Texas. I just can't imagine. Is there some other quarterback out there that has made this jump that they're suggesting he's going to make? I mean, oh, I think most. I think most quarterbacks make a jump like that. You think he's going to make a six percent completion percentage jump? Yes. I do. Wow. I yeah, dude, that's a lot, bro. That's yeah, a big I jump. I think he has better players around him. I think the offensive line would be better, and I think he's just going to be more comfortable. Remember, he went to Ohio State. He was supposed to be a senior in high school. He wasn't ready to play. Even last year, I don't think he was ready to play. So uh, Dylan Gabriel, it is in his first year was fifty nine percent completion percentage. In twenty twenty one, he did jump all the way up to sixty eight. Uh, but he only threw 100 passes. That was a, that was an injury shortened season, um, and then he was 62. So he's only in, he's only gone up 3.4 percentage points in four years. Yeah, I just I whatever man. I don't see again. I just think Quinn is just a more talented player than, than oh Dylan Gabriel is. I just think he is. You disagree? Talent at cert, at a certain level. Hold on. Well, listen, look, I just think with Sorry. Sark, no, no, you're fine. With Sark, with the weapons around him, improved offensive line, more comfortable in the scheme, I'm looking for a big, big jump from him this year. Okay. Okay. To your question about is he more talented than Dylan, than Dylan Gabriel? Um, unequivocally coming out of high school, high school player to high school player, sure, yes. Yeah, he's more. Yeah, absolutely. But at some point, Kevin, what is done on the field has to count. Yes, of course. It has to count. Of course. And he has not performed to any level that makes you say talented. You haven't seen any Not one stat pops up. The first first half against Alabama. That's the flash. Yeah, he got it. The first quarter. And then you have to say, was he even ready to come back? I don't even know if he was fully healthy when he came back. Oh, I don't know. They they waited quite a bit. He, how many games he missed? Three? They did. But, I mean, like, just because the guy comes back, it's kind of like what 
we used to say about Sam Bradford in 2009, right? Like he came back after the shoulder injury, but like, was he really himself? All right. Well, listen, we have plenty of time to fight over Quinn. You will. And listen, man, you know me. If I'm wrong, I'm like, hey, man, I, was I know. Wrong. I know you will. Yeah. I know you. I just but, what I just find what I find fascinating is the media's perception of Texas. Not because I don't think they're significantly improved. They had a tremendous recruiting class. This is the third season, third season for Sarkeesian. This is Quinn Ewer's second season. They are returning a ton of offensive weapons. Xavier Worthington, uh, yeah, Xavier Worthington, um, worthy. Xavier Worthy. Who's the, who's who's the receiver on the other side? Um, Whittington, and then they, Whittington. Um, I got Whittington. Whittington. Yeah, I got Whittington messed up. Sorry, Xavier oh, Worthy, Whittington, the t- the tight end. I mean, your your whole offensive line is returning. This is. I am not sitting here saying Texas won't be better. I expect Texas was eight and four last year in the regular eight and four season. Four the regular season, correct? I I am. I am close to picking a nine or 10 win season when we finally pick Texas's record, right? I mm-hmm. seriously, they are going to improve. But to sit here and say with no other data except the, the big old longhorn on the side of the helmet that Quinn Ewers is the fourth best co- quarterback in college football is just it's it's immature clickbait. It's immature clickbait journalism. I don't think the longhorn has anything to do with it. Oh, come on. What are you why he's going about? to be good. Because, I mean, look, buildings don't make good players. Coaches do. Well, they I made, believe in Sark. They they made, hey, dude, they made, I'll, I'll, I, I actually disagree, and I'll use an example from Oklahoma. Um, uh, who's the guy? Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler was on the Heisman list. He was on the Heisman list, and he was on the Heisman list because he played quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. And well, then, that, in 2020, and, and 2020 – he had some flashes. He looked pretty good, but he wasn't great. But we all said, oh, well, second year under Riley, da-da-da-da-da. He was not good for six games. He just wasn't, Kevin. He and was so, and, But do and you he, understand the hype, though? Looking well, back, I don't have a problem with any of the hype well, behind Spencer Rattler at all. Say, I thought it was completely warranted. Okay, let me say this. I do understand the hype from this standpoint. The coach in question had coached three or two out of the previous four Heisman Trophy winners. The other player had finished second or third, wherever Jalen Hurts finished in the Heisman, right? So Mm -hmm. you had that track record. Also, in limited play in 2020, he did show some flashes, right? I will grant you that. So I think there was a couple different factors. I would would bet, and I can look him – I can look his stats up, but I think his stats were better than – Quinn's than Quinn's were his first year. I'm not sure. I don't remember what his stats were, but man, he is talented. Are you have you completely shut the door on him? Quinn yours? No. Spencer Rattler. Yes. I think he's okay. a nice quarterback. I think he's a nice quarterback at South Carolina. Okay. And I think he will have good games and he will have bad games. I'm I still not completely have- out on him. And he guys like him with that kind of talent okay, so, pedigree, so they listen, get chances for. So us. listen to his numbers. Listen to his numbers, and keep in mind, in twenty twenty, we didn't play a non conference. Okay. Here, Spencer Rattler, sixty seven point five percent completion percentage, three thousand thirty one yards, twenty eight touchdowns against seven interceptions, a quarterback rating of one hundred and seventy two point six. I don't know what his QBR was at, you know, to give you that comparison, dude. 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns versus seven interceptions in nine games. Maybe 10, maybe with a bowl game. Maybe 10 games. Yeah. Like, yes. How many games did Uris play? I don't know. How many games did he play? I don't know if you still have that up. I don't have it up. No, you missed like, what, four? Well, then he, put, then he played the same number as, as Rattler played. Did he? He missed three. Rattler missed three. My point is, 28, he wasn't going to have – 13 more touchdowns in one more game. And his completion percentage wasn't going to go up 12 points in one more game. I'm just saying Texas is going to be better. Agreed. I agree with that. I am not one of the, I am a hater, but I'm not the hater that's going, oh, Texas is, they're so bad. They're always going to be bad. No, I think Texas is going to be better. You tell me then. What is, what is, 
What do you think his season's going to look like? Oh, let me look at his stats here. Do I have to go like over-unders on it? I bet he breaks the 60% completion percentage. I bet he breaks 60. I bet he's a 22 and 8, 2,500 yards. Maybe 2,600 yards. I don't think he breaks breaks 3,000 yards passing. Let's put it that way. I think he breaks 3,000 yards just because of the – I mean, Texas receiving core, you have – Xavier Worthy, you have Jordan Whittington back. You add A.B. Mitchell from guys, Georgia, who's living part of Except for the Georgia kid, you had those guys last year, plus B. John Robinson, and you plus get Isaiah, uh, Roshan. And you get Isaiah, Isaiah Nair coming off an injury. And you get all the offensive linebacks. Okay, real simple. Just more, more comfortable in the system, more experience. Real simple. Over, under, 3,000 yards. Over. We're taking the over, and I'll take the under. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. That's it. Well, uh, and it'll be it'll be a a, a a a Coke bet here. I do Coke Zero now. So do you, right? Aren't you on the Coke Zero train? Yeah, have been. Yeah, for so we're gonna decade. So yeah, no, you you introduced me to Coke Zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you Let's for that, man. So, okay, yeah, Coke Zero bet. Everybody out there, pay attention. I've marked it down. Um, dude, we just spent a lot of time on Quinn. I'm gonna give you a little more time though. What else do you want to talk about from fall camp for? Uh, yeah, Texas? man, just some some players. I, I briefly touched on him now. Isaiah Nair, he's a receiver, transfer from Wyoming. Okay, he was tearing it up during camp last year. Tore his ACL though during a practice before we even got to the season. He missed the entire season. He'll be back. He's a six three guy with speed. Just talked about Ad Mitchell, transfer from Georgia. Guys played in four college football playoff games and scored touchdowns in all four of them. Seems to be a guy who makes big catches in big moments. He is big. He's tall. He's fast. He runs good routes. He has great hands. I'm sure. I'm sure I've asked this. Where's he from originally? He's from Houston. Okay, so he's coming home. He's coming home. Yeah, I think okay. I believe he has a child in Houston. And that was a big part of why he left Georgia. I mean, he's a starting receiver for them when when he's when he was healthy. That makes sense. I respect that. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. That's gonna so be a big pickup. That's a big. That's a big pickup for y'all. I mean, it, it yeah, that huge. could that could be something that um, Oklahoma fans are sleeping on is that pickup because you've added a weapon there that forces um, it forces your third coverage guy to be very very good. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it, it's one. It's, okay. So you're like okay. Hey, well, we're going to ISO on Xavier Worthy. Okay, but then we're going to have to, you know, we'll put two on Worthy and one on Whittington. And now you've got this kid who's played big-time college football that and is used to making plays. That I, I will grant you that. That is something yeah. that, that OU, and, OU fan could be sleeping on. And don't forget about, you know, JT Sanders. I believe he's the second-best tight end in all of college football behind Brock Bowers at Georgia. Kid's big. He's fast. He runs good routes. He has good hands. I can't wait to see him play this year. And that's a big reason for the Quinn Ewers hype is who he has around him. It's just going to be really difficult for teams to cover all of these guys, despite losing Bijan, who's a generational talent, right? Okay. But with all these weapons, that's my reason for the uh, Quinn Ewers optimism. Um. Okay. So we think they're going to score. At least you've, you've almost got me convinced that they're going to score. Uh, defensively, any updates, any injuries, uh, anybody uh, showing out that is unexpected, anybody showing out that you're glad they're showing out because they need to be? Well, yeah, Alfred Collins, he's a defensive lineman. He was a high four-star, borderline five-star player back when Tom Herman was still the coach. Okay. Oh, good Lord. So he's, he's a COVID, is he a COVID super senior type deal? Fifth year guy. It's going to be his fifth year. Okay. He's incredibly talented, but he is incredibly inconsistent at the same time, right? He just does things on the field from the defensive line spot that makes you jump. He's never been a starter because he's been so inconsistent, I believe, with his effort, honestly. But NFL scouts are like, yeah, we're watching this guy, even though he doesn't even start. And they thought that he would have been drafted over the two defensive linemen that they had drafted last year. That's crazy. Yeah, uh-huh, which shows you what talent plays when it comes to the – to the NFL. Apparently he's been playing really hard and looking good during camp. Hopefully he can come on this year because we really need him because he can do things that really nobody else on our D line can from an interior. Is it, is it a, uh, 
Is it an F? You said it might be effort. Is it? Is it a matter of being in shape? I think he's in shape. shape. I, I just, you know, I just can he think, not go. I don't know. Can he, he just has the inconsistent motor. Okay, it's not a physical thing. Physically, I mean, he he looks apart. He's it's just more of a mo. He has an inconsistent motor on the field. Okay. Yeah. Also, one someone I want to mention, Jalen Catalan. Do you remember him from Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All American guy. Yeah. His first year there. He's been injured the last two seasons there at Arkansas. He hit the portal after last year, ends up at Texas. From what I'm hearing, he looks great. He looks like the guy who we saw at Arkansas in 2020 and 2021. And what position again? He's a safety. Okay. Wow. He's a safety. <clears throat> when Texas played up there, I mean, he, he was all over the field. When Texas played at Arkansas during Sark's first year, they beat the crap out of Texas, and he was a big reason as to why. So I don't know if he can stay healthy or not. He's had – you know, a knee and a shoulder injury the last two seasons. But if he can stay healthy, I, you know, I think he can be an all-conference type is player he your start? safety. Is he, is he starting? Is he, is he yes. right now? Not even close. Yeah. He's starting. Yeah, okay. he will start for Texas. That's who I'm really looking at so far. We've had some freshmen who look good. Of course, with the freshmen, you never know until the game starts. But John T. Cook, another receiver, five-star kid out of DeSoto High School. He's basically an Xavier Worthy clone. He's running good routes. He's getting open. He has good hands. So he'll be a guy that'll play a lot as well. Other five-star, Anthony Hill, linebacker. He'll play a lot too. Apparently they may use him like LSU used Harold Perkins, their five-star freshman last year. They're like, hey, man, we don't need you to know the system. You come in on third down and you just get after the quarterback because he has that incredible athletic ability. So he may play a role like that. I'm just really looking forward to seeing him play. Um. I love it. I love it, dude. Just the the fact that we are so close. I mean, on this this Saturday, we're three weeks away. You know, and it's crazy because and don't we have a couple of week zero games? Yes. The week before, right? Is it Notre yes. Dame and, and and Navy? Yep. Up in out in Dublin, I think there are a couple more games too. Yeah, man. I was telling uh, my wife Casey how growing up, especially even in my up until my thirties, man, I would get so anxious. You know, when it'd still be two months before the season, I'm like, oh, the season needs to get here. Now that I'm married and I got other things to do, thankfully that helps with that, right? But now, as we get close, now I'm just the, the feelings I'm are coming so back. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I I think the only thing that's that's kind of quelling my anticipation is the just the lack of a non-conference for Oklahoma. So I, I, I feel like that. we I feel like we have to wait three weeks to have real football. Um, at the same time, though, I want to see I want to see if we improve. Like, I think we'll be able to tell some improvement. Um, you know, you've been beating me up on Oklahoma's receiver core, who I think is going to be the third receiver. If you listen to what the coaches say, they well, love you, who's going to be the number one receiver. Well, I think that's a. I think there's. I think it's Farouk. Okay. I think it's Jaleel Farouk. Um, and I've got, but I've got Mark right here. There's questions if he's even a number one. I here's the problem is I think he is the number one, but is he a number one? That's what we have to find out. Now I'll tell you this. I did some like personal uh, self-flagellation over the weekend. And that is not dirty by the way, in case anybody's wondering and watched the cheese at bowl again. He looked very good in the cheese at bowl, dude. Okay. Lil Farouk looked really, really good against a very good defense. I also got very fired up by, uh, Gavin Sawchuk. I mean, it, it's really, it's all we saw of him last year and he was dynamic in that game. He was. So, so that's, that's improved. Uh, so that got me fired up. But anyway, back to Jaleel Farouk. He's, he thinks he's the number one. He presents himself as the number one. So now he's got to go play like the number one. So that is going to be, you know, that's the question mark. The number two, I think clearly Drake Stoops. Um, the coaches like Jaquiz Petaway, Gavin Freeman. They like they they've said that they like both of those guys. Um, I just can't imagine like I can't get my brain around Stoops and Freeman being on the field at the same time in a consistent manner. It seems now, like I they're... saw. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I saw. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I saw what um, Venable said that through spring, or at least so far, that Gavin Freeman has been the best receiver. He said by a long shot, right? By a long ways. Is that what he, didn't he say they, that? 
man, they love him, dude. And um, I don't know if it's a bias against short white guys. You know, I don't know what is in my head that keeps me from wanting to believe it. Um, you know, he had that amazing play, right? He gets that first yeah, play. First it was game. a yeah. first play and uh, around the nice end to start your career. Yeah, it was amazing. But, you know, how solid was he after that? I don't know. There was a we didn't have a ton of highlights in the passing game after that. So I, I just I find it hard to believe that he's a consistent number three receiver. I just I know Stoops is and I've seen him prove it year after year. You know, I know, especially in a possession type space, going over the middle, making the tough catch. Stoops has earned that spot. He's proven it. I'm very comfortable with him as the number two receiver. I just, for whatever reason, can't can't um, imagine Freeman in a dependable, consistent number three spot. To me, it just seems yeah. weird, especially especially when you think about who we're going up against. We just talked about Texas. You just laid out Xavier Worthy, better than Jaleel Farouk, uh, Whittington, probably better than Drake Stoops, and a highly regarded player from Georgia who started for Georgia, going to be better than anybody else I've got listed. Right? Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, we want to we want to try to counter that deficit in the wide receiving core with Gavin Freeman. I trust the coaches, but I just don't know if I believe them. Yeah, Does that someone's going to have to – no, it makes perfect sense. And it's kind of, you know, it's what I saw looking at the depth chart after last year once Marvin Mann was declared for the NFL, right? I like Petaway a lot. Texas really wanted him. Texas really recruited him hard. He's a guy who is incredibly talented. I think he can make an impact for you guys right away. And I think you'll need him to – you know, Andrew Anthony, I know he's fast, but is he a route runner or is he just a guy that's fast? Brennan Thompson, the transfer guy who went from Texas to OU, I have the same thoughts about him. We know he's fast. He could take the top off of any defense, right? But can he run routes or is he going to be a guy that you use just a few targets a game and say, hey, just run deep, we'll, we'll, we'll just throw it so, to you or here's a screen pass and see if you can break a tackle and take it to the house. So the, the other name that is coming up a lot and, and for me, I think has a better chance at securing the spot at the number three receiver is Nick Anderson. 6'4", 200, just fits the bill of a, a, a larger, bigger, more athletic receiver. And to me, I would rather be in that. Like if, if Freeman and, and if Freeman and Anderson are similar in terms of production, I want to go with the bigger, stronger, faster guy. Like yeah. that, I, you know what I mean? It's just football. Yeah, I just want to figure talent. Talent. Yeah, I'm going with talent. But I, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, as far as the running backs go, like I said, I, I, I haven't heard this from fall camp, but watching Gavin Sawcheck against Florida State got me fired up. Like I got all excited again. I'm like, this kid is so fast. And so many of his runs were breakaway runs. So that was exciting. You're going to love this, though. I listened to part of the Jeff Levy uh, press availability. You know whose name he mentioned as a guy to keep an eye on? Oh, is it is it your guy? I can't I can't go back on that train. I can't get back on the Marcus Major train. He okay. let me down last year, dude. He, did. he let me down. I was well, really no. It's just Eric Gray was just the guy, man. I'm just the guy. No, year. no, Marcus Major. I was the hype man. I was. You were. Mark, I was. You uh, were. All, I mean, all off season, even the first few weeks of the of the year, you, you were on it. Listen, dude. And I'm like, I, was, nah, I like Eric Gray, man. I was pumping Marcus Major. I didn't when Levy said that. I'm like, dude, don't tell me that. I do not need to hear. <laughs> I do not need to hear so that. Let me ask you this: Are, are you thinking it's going to be a running back by committee with yes. Barnes, Sawchuck, and maybe Marcus Major, or is someone going to separate? Or do you care if it's a running back by committee? Um, no, I think it's a running back by committee. I think that's what. I think that's what. Um, what am I trying to say? I think that's what coach wants to run it. Uh, I think DeMarco Murray wants to run quarterback by committee. I think he uh, played in a quarterback by committee uh, room with Chris Brown. So he's very comfortable with that. He doesn't feel like there's any sort of slight. He knows that there's value in saving the legs of these guys. And um, I think that Barnes and Sawchuck and even Marcus Major, he's the other guy. 
provide different things to have to defend against. Um, but man, I'm excited to see what Sawchuck does. I, it's just, it's just the flat, the, the flat out speed of that guy. Yeah, it, and, and it's so scheme, exciting. And with the scheme, with the downhill scheme, with it being spread out, all he has to do is make one guy miss. Usually, if the if the blocking is right, make one guy miss, and he can go. He could take it to the house. I, look, look, Javante Barnes is a is a freak physically, um, but I I still haven't seen that breakaway run. Right, he tends to get yeah. the four and five yard runs and yeah. carries four guys with him when he does it, and that's fine. That's but man, Sawchuck just has he looks different. You know, you know, you will need both to be successful this year. You will need I both agree. of them. You know, to play well. I think. You know, I don't know if Sawchuck is going to be a guy that can, you can give 30 carries to. Not that you would ever want to give it back 30 carries this day and age, but Barnes, I know you can. He can take that. He can get you the tough yards while Sawchuck. Well, I, and once the defense is worn down, too, then he, that's when you bring Sawchuck in, like he saw against Florida State, right? It was in the fourth quarter when he was making those big runs. Well, I think what you see with Sawchuck, too, is kind of the Eric Gray um, uh, with the passing out of the backfield. Right, yeah. I think you're gonna you're gonna have that option with a with a Gavin Sawchuck, and he's just so fast. Um, lastly, on the other side of the on the other side of the uh, ball, um, Canick, Jared Canick, um, from what I hear, is in the lead to start over Colby McKenzie and Connor Neal, inside linebacker, alongside Stuntsman. Um, dude, I, we loved what we saw from him against Nebraska, um, and then we didn't see anything else from him. So it's no. going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see if that was a flash in the pan or, you know, I, I know these coaches, these coaches are so they're very consistent in terms of if they don't know the scheme, they don't get to play. Right. They're very consistent with that. Absolutely. However, with as bad as our defense was last year, who cares if they know the scheme or not? Because even the guys that know the scheme are getting beat. So at some point, you've got to let players play. Right? And it just, yeah. And it looked like last year, I don't think they were comfortable at all. It was always anybody, a anybody. split second of hesitation. Am I yeah. going this way or this way? And then, you know, when you're playing against good players, that one second of hesitation is enough for, to get you beat. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. Well, we had the one, we yeah. had the one second of hesitation. So, but uh, with his, with his abilities and his physical abilities, I'm excited to see what Cannon can do. Feel really good about Stutzman. I think in his third year, you're going to see. I thought he played great last year. I really did. I mean, he was a bright spot on a bad. I defense. did too. I, I, I've been high on him since his his true freshman year under the last staff. Right. I, I thought he was. I thought he was good last year. He seemed to catch it from the fan base a little bit. I'm not. I'm not sure what. Well, what that I mean, was he's about, the, but he's the middle linebacker. You know, you just. Yeah. I, I thought he I thought he was not the problem, right? I yeah. thought the problem was largely defensive line and secondary, mostly. And, let, and he, let me ask you this, because my biggest concerns, you know, going pro you this year were we talked about the receivers and the defensive line, especially interior. You know, I think your pass rush will be good, but the interior line, what are you hearing, if anything, about the defensive tackles? Well, we lost Marcus Hicks. So I guess he's done. Now, when you say lost, did he is he in the portal or, or he's no he just... he's no longer on the roster. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um that that hurts us in, in from a depth standpoint. Um I'm scrolling down here to kind of get a look and give me some you still got I still like Reggie Grimes, although he's more of an end. Um, but I like what he did last year. I, and I think another year with Schmitty kind of get us there. Um, I'm just looking through the roster, make sure I got, yeah, the names I, got you. I want, names I want to see. I know you got some transfers in, right? The Bothroyd kid from, uh, Dude, the Bothroyd kid Forest. is, I, I think he's the best player on the line from, don't forget Marcus Stripling, who I think is, is fantastic. Adabari is going to be there. I, I think he plays as a freshman. If he's as good as everybody says oh, he is, don't you think he plays as- that? Oh, you can't keep him off the field, man. A five-star edge guy and the way he looks. I yeah. worry about I worry about Ethan Downs. I don't. 
I, he was second team on conference last year. So yeah, okay. what are you, I, what are you I, did, I thought I just didn't think he looked very good last year. Gilliam, okay, I like Gilliam, number forty-four. I, I just didn't like Ethan Downs last year. I thought he, I, he in the first three games he got to the quarterback, and then in conference play he never got to the quarterback. Ever, 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 ever. Listen, here's the thing, too. When you bring in new coaches, right, sometimes some guys are just better fits for the old scheme, right? No matter if it's a you feel it's an upgrade in defensive coaches, right? I think we can all agree that Brent Venables as a defensive coordinator is better than Alex Branch as a defensive coordinator. But some players might be a better fit for the scheme that Grinch likes to run as opposed to the one that Venables won, and he'll have to get his own guys in before we really – can see what that defense is. Yeah, but we're close to doing that. I mean, he's had he's had two years and two recruit uh, and and he's had two years or one year recruiting and two years of transfer portal. Now, look, what do you think about this cheetah position deal, right? You bring in Dayson McCullough. It's McCullough. Big time transfer, but you also have who is it? You have Harrington there. People listen, love Harrington. I I didn't see enough from him last year. Yeah. To buy I think in. Teddy Lehman really loves Harrington. Talking to a, him, a lot of him. people say, uh, "Listen, he, I am not. Uh, I'm on Team Dayson, right? That's. I just think McCullough is. I think he's a stud, dude. And I want to make sure Pearson plays too. I think you could put Pearson at that cheetah position. Yeah, and, so, and is it true that Peyton Bowen has been working out there too? The five star yes. stud freshman yeah. from Denton Geyer. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it, I mean, look, dude. Well, look, we just said it. We just said it. Look at. We're going to go full circle on this yet again. Look at your Texas receivers. So yeah. you, you've got to have multiple coverage options on the back end. You just do. Yeah. So and so is it Peyton Bowen? Is it that him at the Cheetah? Well, he's at a position that is sometimes a linebacker, but oftentimes is the nickel. Yeah. Teddy Lehman himself has said, I consider the Cheetah position the nickel. Everybody else wants to call it the Cheetah. I think it's the nickel. Yeah. Well, if it's truly the nickel, then you got to have somebody that can cover. They have to yeah. be able to cover. And I'm curious gonna... how McCullough can cover. You know, I'm, I know that he is an elite athlete. Kid was Ohio State bound before his dad took a, an assistant job at Indiana. It's the only reason he was there. This, kid, this is an Ohio State level recruit. Well, I, and we look, saw flashes of it at Indiana last you know, year. Do, okay, for the sake of this conversation, where, where we get where we get confused at is Cheetah is often thought as a linebacker, but Roy Williams was not a linebacker; he was a safety. Roy Williams yeah. played safety, but he was the Cheetah. That was a Cheetah position. Am I wrong? I don't think so. No, I don't think I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure that was they called him the Roy back back then instead of the Cheetah. Yeah. It was called the Roy back. My point is, he played safety. So you've got Pearson, McCullough, Harrington, maybe Payton. You're going to have to be multiple in that. You're going to have to be yeah. multiple, and there's going to have to be some looks that you throw at people. Um, and I think you have to count on all four of those guys to play some sort of uh, – because because it can't simply be you're playing here against some of the offenses that we're going to face. Yeah, um, correct. you got to be versatile, right, because, you know, you got a team that spreads you out, and you may need Bowen there. Right. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, because you got to ex- – the idea with Texas is you expect them to be pass heavy this year. I mean, I do. Unless yeah. unless Sarkeesian zags when we think he should zig, we expect them to be pass heavy this year. And if that's the case, we need our rangy, long range athletes out out there at Cheetah versus our strong compact ones that we might use against. Well, we don't play K State this year, but we could use against Iowa State, yeah, or Iowa BYU, State. or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's fascinating. Real quick, back back to the inside lineman. Real quick, Jacob Lacey is still out, so that's still an out right now. Um, I don't know if it's. Well, I don't. I don't want to say what condition it was, but he's got something going on. They expect a mid year, but um, a name that popped when I was going through the list: Grayson Halton. People like Grayson Halton. I don't know anything about him, but it's just a name to kind of throw back there, kind of keep in the back of your mind and see where he falls uh, in the okay. starting lineup. Or, Look, you know, eventually, eventually, you know, based on the way you guys are recruiting, you're going to have a great defensive line, inside and out. And it's a, it's a big concern for me as a Texas fan, the D-line recruiting that OU is is, is picking up. I'm, I'm just excited that Texas has been getting good offensive linemen because Art, they have think, their hands full. 
uh, what do you think? Is it it's uh, Winery, David Williams Stone, Winery, Williams uh-huh. Winery, David Stone, and McKinley? Yeah. McKinley, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I know Texas is in on McKinley. So is AM and LSU. So you're saying least amount of confidence for Oklahoma is McKinley. He's the longest shot. I would shot. say so. I would is say Dave, so. But I mean, is, if, if he commits to OU, though, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think there are just others that are in the mix as well. Stone? I think, I, I think you guys get Stone. I mean, over Michigan State. If it's if it's OU in Michigan State, man, I think you guys, I think you guys get that one. Okay, uh, Zuneri with Miss Missouri or Oklahoma. That's the wild card one, right? And that's the weird it one is. that everybody's it, everybody's yeah. kind of getting. Everybody's starting to hedge. Like a it's couple been back three and weeks, forth, right? Well, a couple three weeks ago, the OU guys, the OU insiders, they were like, "Oh, dude, he's OU lock crystal ball future cast whatever." You know, they were locked in. Now you start to hear as we get closer to a commitment date. You're starting to hear, well, he's a different kind of kid. Well, he might want to stay home. Well, Missouri might put an NIL package together. Well, this, well, that. So it's like, which one do I believe? Do I believe the one from two weeks ago where we were all in, relationship, level of play, development, go to the league, higher profile program, or do I believe this Missouri track? You know, Man, it's – I've learned with, when it comes to these kids, especially the five-star kids, you just never know what they're going to do. You never know what they're thinking. These recruitments, even if he commits to OU tomorrow, man, you, it's still going to be – Texas yeah, is in for Colin Simmons tomorrow, five-star edge rusher out of Duncanville. It's going to be between Texas, LSU, and apparently Miami. He can commit to Texas tomorrow. Texas is still going to have to recruit the crap out of him until signing day. What are y'all ranked so, at right now? We're at 14. Oh, man, I haven't even looked at the rankings lately. I would say they're probably in the upper teens still. Now you get a five-star. That would change your trajectory. Yeah, exactly. And not just a five-star, but a five-star at a position of need. They need edge rushers more than any other position on the entire roster, right? Sark can get quarterbacks. Sark can get running back and receivers. Kyle Flood and Sark can get offensive linemen. We've seen that. 247 has you 22, 22. Okay, yeah. So, and, and I'm not stressed about that yet. Colin Simmons would be a big, a big one because, like I said, it's a position of dire need uh, for Texas. Oh, all right, man. Um, next on the list of Boomer Bebo episodes, we will be doing a Texas preview and an OU preview. Uh, I haven't talked to Kevin about this, but if we do it like we did last year, we'll probably try to do it in the same night. So we can drop them both. Um, so that's next on the list. And maybe one other one. And then it's game week. So, oh, man, I can't wait. Everybody out there, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we're starting to get great traction as we're heading into the um, football season. Keep it up. Please share us with your friends. Texas fans, we need some more Texas fans out there listening. Hear from a lot of Oklahoma fans. But if you're a Texas fan and you listen Please share with your uh, your friends. Uh, tell them they can get on Twitter at Boomer Bebo Pod and give me a bunch of crap. That doesn't bother me. Um, Kevin, anything else? No, nah, man. Just looking forward to the season, hoping that um, we all can get through camp injury-free. Why would you say that, dude? Why would you say that? I'll start that. that no, no, why would you say that? Seven. Yeah, I am seven. I don't Grow say up. stuff like that. I went 58 Grow minutes, up. and I didn't say, oh, hopefully we don't get – what are you doing, dude? Hey, if you're an Oklahoma fan, Bro, hopefully we don't man. get arrested. Hopefully we don't get arrested. Hopefully we don't hold up a drug dealer, okay? There's a lot of things I hope, but I don't say them out loud. Come on, God. man. Grow up. Bless, Grow up. Unbelievable. Oh, Jeez. see, that's this, you guys. You guys are listen, listen, so unstable for being a blue this, blood program. This was a good Why show. Why are you guys so you unstable? You ruined this show. No, no, no. You no, have no. devolved it. You have Why taken you what was a so high-level podcast and said, unstable. oh, I hope everybody don't get injured. What are you talking about? Why would you say that? What is with you guys? You guys are the most. We live in constant fear and anxiety, Kevin. Why? Constant... You're a blue blood. It doesn't matter. And not only We went six and seven blood. last year. We went six Plus and seven one last year. year. Try doing that for a decade, all right? You guys, not only are you a blue blood, you're one of the bluest of the blue bloods. You wouldn't even think so. The way you guys handle yourselves. I don't I understand that, it, man. I got that chip. I got that chip. No, Constantly it's not the chip. Constantly no. fighting against it. 
Constantly fighting against it. I gotta oh, find man. things that motivate me. You guys, you gotta, you got history. Yeah. Well, I'm tired of history, dude. Yeah. I'm tired of 2000. Okay. I'm tired hey, of having listen, to go man. to 2000 hey, for a national championship. Let's get it. That. We got to get it this year. It's this is gonna be Oklahoma's best chance um, because it's a it's a four team playoff. So that means you only got to win two games. I'm not saying this is a, a most talented team. I'm not saying this is a great playoff team. I am saying with our schedule, okay, with our schedule, there is a lot of pressure on this team. If we can somehow go 11-1, and one, make a Big 12 championship game, you got to win three games. That's way better than getting to the SEC because even if you escape the SEC, you've got to win three or four playoff games, right? That is scary. Yeah. Yeah, that is be insane. It's going to be insane. So this, this, and it's same. Hey, look, you know what? Same thing for Texas. Like this is an excellent opportunity for y'all. If you can win or lose to Alabama, go through the Big Twelve, maybe one or two, one loss, win the Big Twelve. It's the same thing for you guys. It's the exact same thing. And so this is a very pivotal year. I want to leave Big Twelve with a Big Twelve championship, and I would like to get a playoff appearance before we go. Because, dude, you're going to the SEC. Nothing's going to be guaranteed in the SEC, blue blood or not. Well, at least you guys have been to the playoff, right? I would love to. I would love to just win the conference. It's been a long time, man. Yeah, two thousand nine. Oh been. yeah. Uh, all right, so man. Take, hey, dude, take have... you guys. Take what you guys felt last year and extrapolate that into twelve years. It was awful. Yeah, was terrible year. But you all can't right. say Texas does have loyal fans because the fact that we still have such a major fan base who's still involved after this crap. That we've dealt with for 12 years. Mm. You can't question that. Y'all are loyal. I will grant you that. You are loyal. Granted. All right, dude. Have a great evening. Boomer. You too. Hook him.